Hi, Steve. It's Matt. Hey. It's Matt Hocking here from Marietta Surf. I'm joined with Hi, um, I'm joined with David Parker, who's our girls director at the club as well. Good afternoon. Okay. How are you? Hello, hi. Good, that's great. Well, we've got, we've got, currently we're live on Instagram, the club, uh, Marietta Surf's Instagram, and uh, we're joined by quite a number of, um, of viewers, players and parents and other viewers watching and listening to you uh, this afternoon. So, um, I just, before we start, Steve, I just wanted to introduce you and just uh, tell everyone a little bit about you. And um, so, like I've spoke, we spoke earlier um, about Steve's career, but let me just remind people, Steve... Uh, originally from Scotland, played for a team called Air United, started his career there, then arguably joined one of the biggest clubs in the world with Liverpool. Um, at the time, they were current European champions, uh, like Champions League champions when he joined. Then moved on to Knox County, played for teams like Sheffield Wednesday, West Brom, uh, Doncaster Rovers, and then he went on to play for the Boston Bulldogs over here in the US. Uh, Steve's also re represented his uh, national team for Scotland under-21s, where he played a, quite a number of games for them, and then he represented the first team, the men's team, where he played for Scotland uh, 27 times. Steve's also managed, so he, he had managed, uh, management spells at Notts County, uh, New England Revolution, where he um, worked with our technical director, Steve Miles, and then he's been, also been at Boston Bulldogs, and now obviously uh, currently he works for ESPN, and uh, he's on there most days as a pundit and a commentator, and you'll see him on the, on the TV most days. So, um, really, really appreciate you joining us today, Steve, and giving us your time. No, no problem. I'm glad to help in this strange time we're in. Yeah, exactly. How's, how's he treating you? How, how are you getting on? Uh, like everybody else, uh, just kind of looking for things to do pretty much around the house and watching, watching everything and anything on... Uh, on YouTube and old films. I'm assuming some of the old, some of the old films are. I'm watching them. Maybe uh, from before some of these guys were born. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you able to work? Are you doing any work for ESPN at the moment? Are you able to uh, work at all? Yeah. Yeah, we we do an ESPN Plus show every day. We still do it. We've we've got stuff set up uh, at home for everybody. Um, obviously, it's not the normal show, but um, yeah. we're still. We're still getting a show out every day, ESPN Plus, as I said, and uh, great. working from home. Brilliant. Well, I know uh, we're limited for time today, so uh, as, as we go on, I'm, I've got uh, players asking questions. So we'll start with the first question now, Steve, if you don't mind. Um, but this is from us, from the club. What was it like for, for you to start in Scotland, a lower league club, and then find yourself the next day kind of being joined like one of the biggest clubs in the world in Liverpool? What was that, what was that like? To be honest, I was I was very lucky when I was at Air United. Um, I left there as a 19-year-old to go to Liverpool. That's how old I was when Liverpool signed me yep. uh, for £300,000 back then. Uh, but I left a club at Air United where the majority of the players I played with were experienced pros. And kind of from the first day I walked in there, they were good to me, they were teaching me, and, and I just felt at home. Yeah, and and moving from and and Air United were part time. I was a semi professional. I was training on a Tuesday and a Thursday night, and I was playing on a Saturday. And as strange as this may seem, when I went to Liverpool, who were who were then European champions, well, <laughs> actually right now they're European champions as yeah. well. Yeah, I kind of I kind of moved into a similar situation where you know I was one of the younger guys in the first team squad, uh, all the pros. 
who all they wanted to do was help you, look after you, teach you. Yeah. And so it was it was a really smooth transition, you know, going from a, a culture at Air United, obviously of a, a lesser standard of, of player, into what was perceived, you know, everybody has this, this idea that the top teams, it's all, it's all glamour and, and glitz. You know, yeah. it doesn't make, it doesn't matter. You're dealing with better players and bigger clubs. Yeah. But what gets you through in smaller clubs and playing with maybe players of lesser ability is the togetherness and the work and the ethic of what you do every day. And that never changed when I went to Liverpool. Liverpool was the most down-to-earth club yeah. you could imagine, even though they were the best team in Europe. So, you know, it's it's not... It's about, it's about hard work. It's about certainly enjoying and, uh, and it's about taking care of each other because I tell you both clubs uh, and obviously Liverpool everybody will know everybody took care of me yeah. and, and, and it was a culture and, and the culture is actually about it's not about you it's about the guy standing next to you Yeah. so when you have a situation where the only people that, that are important to you are the ones playing next to you and you're doing everything you can for them, if you've got 11 players or you have a squad who all the way around are doing the same thing, I'd say, regardless of the ability, that, that, that's a huge force for any team to come up against. Do you think that's the difference, just what you're saying, Steve, do you think that's the difference now with the teams that are really successful in the, in the modern game? You know, we look at now, obviously, the Liverpool, you just mentioned the Liverpool of today. Uh, they, they, are you saying, they must have that. I mean, I look, look at um, the team that's just come up, obviously an old team of ours, Sheffield United, and although they're probably, arguably, not the most uh, glamorous club in the world, they seem to have this kind of team spirit and togetherness where they're going to work for each other and they, they, they graft and they seem to have that. And I mean, they've been really successful this season so far with what they've got. 100%. You yeah. know, Sheffield United and I, and I think Wolves. Yeah. Um, it's pro you're probably looking at three different tiers here. As far as ability is concerned, yeah. Sheffield United's players would probably rate a, a lot less ability, you know, on on average, to 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 Wolves or Liverpool. Yeah. But the reason they're doing well is because they have that culture of looking after each other and making sure that it's the guy standing next to you. Yeah. And. And then I would suggest that a tear up in quality of personnel would be Wolves, and then the next step would be Liverpool. But fundamentally, they all have the same thing. They're all organised. They all know exactly what the job is. They all do it to the best of their ability. Yeah. But, but probably as much as anything else, they're doing it together. Yeah. And everybody's doing it for each other. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Steve, for that. Um, I'm going to move on. You were the first defender to win the Football Writers' Player of the Year. How did you help change the perception and mentality with your performances that season? I mean, do you think the defensive players these days um, don't get enough praise? Or I know there's an argument where people are saying that kind of the, def defend the art of defending has kind of gone out the, ga the modern game. And what advice would you give to today's defensive players? Well, I would say that, I would say that, <laughs> kind of strange, I would say today that the best defenders get a lot of praise. 
And I think the reason they get a lot of praise today, and certainly more praise than defenders used to get, is because there's so few of them. Yeah. So when you're actually exceptional at what you do, it stands out like a sore thumb. You know, people like Van Dyke, who who makes the game easy because he has a lot of attributes. Um, I mean, I think of the first thing I think when I think about a good defender, the first thing he has to have is it has to matter. Yeah. He has to care that he gets beaten, whether it's a header, whether he's whether he's outran, whether it, whether he, whether he's not strong enough in the tackle. A good defender or the best defenders take it personally. They yeah. take it personally whenever they either get beaten or don't do it properly. And so when you don't do it properly, and there's not a player born that hasn't that hasn't made mistakes, but the important thing is you obviously try and learn from it as quickly as possible, but it actually hurts you when you do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and defending... Defending for me starts with a very basic thing, and that is how close do you get to the man with the ball. And if you're going to be a good defender, to me, that's where you start. You can't get too close, because if you're too close, then if he's got pace, you're done. If you're too far away, then you can't affect him passing the ball. So the, for me, the most important thing is how close do I get, and that's touch tight. Once you're touch tight, then you can start adding things to your defensive armour. Like, you know, where do I want him to go? Do I want to take him down the line? Or do I want to bring him inside? But you can't do that unless you get that first thing right. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, the reason you get that first thing right is because it matters to you. You take it personally to make sure you get it right. Yeah. Hi Steve, it's David. Um, yeah, we just obviously were looking at the the young players, obviously being a head coach in the MLS uh, for New England Revolution, that obviously you had um, young players coming through and just kind of like for our players here, what was it that stood out for young players, whether they be, I know the age is a bit different in this country as back home, but what is it that stood out for you to give those kids a chance and what, what advice would you recommend to our youngsters and people listening in? Well, I actually, uh, I, I got Clint Dempsey in the draft. I drafted him for New England Revolution. Um, and I actually was, I believe, I was eighth, maybe sixth or eighth in that draft. And I was sitting there thinking, there's no way this kid's going to be, be around when it's my turn. That actually nobody particularly had had an eye on him. And there was one thing they stood out for me whenever I, whenever I scouted them. And again, it comes down to, you know, it doesn't always come down to ability. I think, I think when somebody clearly has a certain amount of ability, then there'll be plenty of people can see that. Yeah. But when you're looking, when you're looking for somebody, again, I talked about defending and it, and it mattered and you, it, you took it personally. When I saw Clint Dempsey at the Combine, every single thing he did, it mattered. Now, he wasn't perfect by any means over the course of the three days. Uh, he missed some chances. Um, but every single thing he did, he had to do it better the next time. And if you have an attitude like that, then you will, you will go far, regardless of your ability. 
because teams are made up of all different kinds of players. You know, if you're lucky to have Liverpool and every single player is fantastic, lights out, then that's that's great. But that that's not the case. You need all kinds in a team. You need the workers. You need the players. You need guys who can do both. And so, when I see a young player and I see a desire and a certain level of ability, obviously, then I think to myself, I can work with that. I can give him. I can give him the things that that I think he needs to make him better. And with his desire and with yeah. his attitude and his commitment, he took those things on and he did the rest of it. Listen, we gave Clinton little nuggets, do this, do that. But after that, he just worked hard every single day. Yeah. And every single time he stepped on the field, it mattered. It's great advice. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're probably talking about, in my opinion, arguably the best US player that's ever played. Yeah, and he's, he's, gone, he's had an absolutely fantastic career as well. So to, to obviously understand of how he came that late in the draft like you said and, and not picked up I mean that's, uh, that's a great fortunate for, for yourself and, and, he was, and remember he's 22 you know yeah. I'm, I'm, was 22 years old when we when we drafted him you know a lot of teams in Europe would say oh that's too late McClint's again a great example of it's never too late as long as you keep at it and keep working everybody develops at, a dif at different stages and, and takes their own time, uh, and as I said, Clint, Clint was 22 before he before he became a professional. But look where he ended up. You know, three years later, he was in the Premier League. So mm -hmm. it's he's a great example for anybody. Now, clearly, he had ability. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of players have got ability, but they don't all have the have the work ethic and the and the character that he did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking about obviously ages as well is you had Fergundes, um, New England, obviously the youngest player um, to come through at that time. So, I mean, what was it like for you as a manager to, to deal with that big age gap? Um, and also then for him, obviously, settling into the professional game as well. I'll be honest, I couldn't have cared less how old he was. If he had been 10 years of age, I'd still have played him because I thought he was ready to play. You know, yeah. again, and he's, and he's, you know, we've just been talking about Clint, who who didn't who didn't mature till he was 22, and we're talking about Fagundes, who I think was 17 years old when I gave him his debut. I'm pretty sure he was 17. But but the reason I gave him it is because he was ready. He had the tools at 17 to step on the field and produce, and he's still doing it. So again, that's a great example of everybody everybody. Everybody's development uh, happens at different stages and some are quicker than others. Uh, but as I said, I, I had no problem playing for Gundas. Uh, regardless of his age, I knew that he could, he could help us on the field. Uh, I knew it wouldn't be too much for him. Uh, again, you know, mentally, mentally Clinton at 22, uh, I would assume would obviously be a stronger mind than the 17 year old. But I still felt that, that for Gundas had that had enough, yeah. you know, mental strength uh, to cope with it, and he did. And and again, I think it's important. It's not always just about working hard and having ability. You have to have a good mentality. You know, don't any any of your boys that are listening to become a professional. You the only thing you know is you're going to have times where you're not 
Things are not going for you. Things have gone against you personally. Things have gone against your team. Things will go wrong. Yeah. That is the only guarantee I will give you if, you if you're going to be a professional footballer. And the mentality of it is you have to brush it off and decide that the next thing you do is going to be better to make up for whatever it may be. Is it going to be you personally having to do something better? Are you going to have to step up and help your teammate to make sure that your team wins? Are you going to have to lead your team? Are you going to have to be the person who's the voice of the team? You know, so as a professional, if you want to be a pro, guys, the only thing you know is you're going to have down times and your mentality is going to be important to get you through that. And obviously, like everything else, when you go through some tough times and you come out and you end up winning, boy, don't I feel a lot better. Yeah, that's great. Great advice, Steve. Thank you. Um, I remember when we spoke before, you mentioned uh, as a young player, just going back to as a young player, you uh, never really got into like a representative side or like a... And then it wasn't until you actually got into the Scotland under-21s was kind of the first time you'd ever uh, represented, you know, like a... Yeah, as a kid, I, I took part in trials, um, tryouts. Yeah. Um you know, state state trials, you name it, I, I, I was in it. And I never once got picked. I never once got picked. Yeah. Um, and as I said, it wasn't until I was, I was uh, 20 years old. I'd been at Liverpool for about eight months. I went there just before my 20th birthday that I got my first representative uh, honour uh, in Scotland under 21s. I think that's valuable again. for Sorry, Steve, yeah. No, I mean, again, it's just, uh, it, it took me, it took me longer to develop than, than yeah. a lot of other guys. Yeah. You know, I, uh, as I said, I never, I never played a representative game till I, I played for the under-21s. Um, and I went on to have over 400 games for Liverpool. So to all you guys out there who are not getting picked for your tryouts or this or that, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it's not the end of anything. It's just a case of you're not. It's not for you then, and all you got to do is put your head down and keep working and keep fighting. Now you just took the words out of my mouth, Steve. I mean, we try and uh, speak to our players, girls and boys at the club, about we all develop um, players develop at different rates. So um, it's different for some than it is for others. So that's a great message for them. Uh, just staying at New England Revolution that we spoke before, he obviously works closely with our te- technical director, Steve Miles. What was it like working with Steve at, uh, at the Revolution? Well, the, you know, the, the things I knew, the things I knew about Steve, um, because I didn't know him personally, I knew of him uh, before he came to work with me. Uh, I actually had met him once at, a, at an LA Galaxy game. The things I knew about him was that, you know, he knows his exes and knows, he knows he's, he's coaching, he's got all his badges, um, but to be in charge of a team or to be my assistant manager, I need somebody that I can trust, who I know he knows what he's talking about, because you can't do everything on your own. You know, yes, the head coach makes the final decision, but you need people beside you who are knowledgeable uh, and who you know, when you're unsure about something, are going to are going to give you something that will help you get get to what you need. And sometimes that means that. 
you have to admit that you're wrong. You know, there were occasions during games where I would I would be thinking of making a change. For example, I'd turn to Miles and say, you know what, Miles, I fancy, I fancy taking him from here, either taking him off or putting, or putting him somewhere else. And he would just he would just say, look, you know what, just things are doing okay. Let's just see how it pans out. I don't think we need to jump in yet and make a decision. And of course, lo and behold, something, something, you know, the player would turn around and, and, and do something that I obviously was looking for earlier. Yeah. But had I made the decision to, to change it, yeah. had I been on my own, I would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. But because I had Steve beside me, um, you know, level-headed, smart, doesn't panic, knows his onions, and he's telling me, just hold on, so I took the advice, and it pays off, so, yeah. you know, Steve's, Steve was in Bollywood to me in the, in, the, in the two and a half years that we were together. That's great. That's great. And I mean, how did you, uh, how did the journey go from, I mean, obviously from, from playing and then suddenly to end up in the MLS in really the formative years of, of the league? How was it that the MLS came to be for you at New England? Um, I was, well, I was, I was kind of fortunate when I, I moved from Liverpool. The reason I left Liverpool, I was at Liverpool for 13 years. And I got offered a, a job as a player coach at Notts County. Um, and so I thought that would be great. I could still play, but I would be able to see what goes on behind the scenes. Um, unfortunately, that didn't last long. The guy that took me there got the sack. Uh, and I ended up being the manager for six months. So I actually played and managed the team. Uh, after that six months, I ended up going back to the Premier League with Sheffield Wednesday. But that six months stood me in good stead. You know, it gave me an insight to what was going on behind the scenes, how things are run. So that eventually when I retired from, from certainly playing in the Football League, I was offered a job over in Boston um, as a player coach uh, with a friend of mine called John Kerr, who was, uh, who was coaching. Um, and so I, I, I kind of got, I was lucky that I got a smooth kind of passage. I got a lot of experience along the way until eventually moving from Boston Bulldogs up to the New England Revolution, I was ready to be a head coach. You know, I didn't I didn't jump out of playing straight into a head coach's job. I was lucky that I got a transition through through finishing playing, playing coaching, you know, assistant coach and then manager. So I, I, I consider myself fortunate that my path was 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 slow and steady. Yeah. I know I know we've pushed for time today, um, but I just wanted to get a few questions in from um, some of our players at the club as well. So um, I know one of my players has asked if you, as a young player in the current climate, the current climate, sorry, and off club training at the moment, what would you be doing now, or what advice could you give him? Um, the only thing I can guarantee is I would have a ball at my feet, and probably the second thing I can guarantee is my mother would be hounding me out the house <laughs> because yeah. I'd be smashing things, I'd be smashing pictures on the wall. And knocking things over with a ball, yeah. and I would end up outside with a ball, yeah. And then, and from there, there are a thousand things. Even on your own, you can come up with all types of games. Whether it's keep you up, whether it's knocking it against the garage, whether it's heading it on the roof. <laughs> you know, there are a million things you can do on your own. But obviously, if you have a brother or a sister, 
yeah. and that's perfect. Yeah, and I've got one. More, I've got another one here, Steve. What's the most important thing as a young player or parent that you should look for in a club and a coach when they've got so many options in the current climate? Do you know what? If I'm a parent yeah. and I'm sat in my car waiting, my waiting, my kid coming back from training, if he's got a smile on his face, then you know what? It really doesn't matter what's happened yeah. between dropping them off and picking them up. Yeah. As 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 a parent. Um, yeah. And I'm doing it from experience. I used to do that with my kids. They 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 were twelve and fourteen when we came over from, from the U um sorry, from the UK to Boston. Uh and obviously I would love to have sat, sat and watched them the whole time but I pretty much was dropping them off and picking them up a lot. Yeah. And they still with the same smile on their face yeah. when I picked them up as when they dropped them off. That's if you're a parent and you see that I, I, I think what happens in between is not of the it's not the most important. Certainly, yeah. it's important, but it's not the most important. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, yeah, that's great, Stephen. Probably one of the last questions now. We've had some uh, questions coming on the comments and the feed. So Rob, our, our usual question expert, who's always quizzing us on different things, he says he watches you every day on uh, ESPN on the, obviously the podcasts and the live feeds that come through, and he just wanted to know your opinion of why you choose Sancho over Graylish from Man United. So he wants to know, can I pick your brain a little bit further on that one? I think I think Sancho at the highest level is a game changer. I'm not convinced that Grealish, uh, Grealish is a game changer. You know, I think he stands out in Villa's team uh, because on the main, you know, generally they're, they're hard working. Uh, they give their all. They've got some decent players. Grealish certainly has a little more, I think, as far as ability is concerned than the rest of them. Uh, and I think he, for me, he stands out in this Villa side because of that. I'm not convinced that, that at a higher level or, or with, with with more expectation on you. You know, when you play for Aston Villa, it's okay to play to play well three games out of five. When you play for Manchester United or you play for Liverpool or Man City, you have to be at least four and a half out of five. Otherwise, somebody else is taking your job. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure that, that at the next level that, that Jack really can do it four and a half times out of five at, at his best, because that's what you have to that's what you have to be in order to play with the top side. I think Jaden Sancho can do that, and I think he can be a, a difference maker at a higher level that I don't think really can. Yeah, I think I've absolutely got to agree with you there, Steve. And I think obviously watching his performances for England as well, Sancho, and like you say, performing at a higher level, um, obviously in the Bundesliga as well. So I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. And being obviously from the Midlands myself and watching Grealish come up as a kid, that I think I think you're absolutely right. I think, I mean, he's a good player, Grealish, but just a step on that little bit further, I think Sancho has definitely got more in his locker and can consistently perform at the highest level when it matters. Yeah, and I think... I think, I don't think, I'm certainly not trying to knock Grealish. Mm. I just think when we talk about Sancho, we're talking about a guy who can be the very, very top. Grealish is a great player, no question. He, he deserves to stay in the Premier League, regardless of whether Villa get, you know, Villa get relegated, which I think they may, if we ever get this season done. Um, I think he deserves to play in the Premier League. I just don't think he's the, the guy that's going to play 
for your Man City or your Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Steve. Well, I know we're, we're out of time, so we just, on behalf of the club, uh, we just wanted to thank you for your time today. Uh, really appreciate okay. all your words of wisdom and all the advice uh, for all the players that are listening. All right, no problem. Anytime, give us a call. Great, great to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks ever so much, Steve. All right. Cheers. Yeah, guys, so I hope you've uh, enjoyed listening to, obviously, lots of words of wisdom from Steve Nicholl there, obviously, uh, a, a Liverpool great, winning the uh, the Champions League and, obviously, league titles as well and, obviously, uh, a regular pundit on ESPN for many of the Premier League shows and, obviously, his daily feeds online and, obviously, the podcast, so uh, it's absolutely esteemed company again. Uh, today, so hopefully you've been able to take a lot away from that as well, and listen to the words of wisdom, like you said, about how long it takes to develop as as a player, and everyone has different pathways. But also the the mentality side of the game, that there's lots of great players out there technically, but it is that work ethic and that desire and the mentality and the psychological side of the game that can can really make an impact for you. And I think a lot of the messages what you said, hopefully, uh, some of the things. Uh, you've heard before from us and the coaches that you work with some of the messages that Steve said and you know about not getting in any representative sides as a young kid the first time he represented anything was when he's got into the Scotland on a, on a 21 teams when he was 20 so I think that's um, you know going to train with a smile on your face coming back to training knowing you've enjoyed it and I think you know the environment you try and create we try and create as coaches at Marietta Surf is a uh, important that you go in there with a smile on your face and you know are able to uh, go and express yourself so 